It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Hello and welcome to Stop. Hammer Time. My name's Phil Whelans, and it's a, it's a very special Stop Hammer Time we have uh, today. Joining me are top legal mind. If, you, if you've ever killed a man, uh, this is the, <laughs> probably the person you should get on your case immediately. It is, of course, Russell Raphael. Delighted to be here. Russell, of course, uh, did the blog uh, which covered the subjects, the twin subjects, I believe, of uh, Wagner and West Ham United, Donna the Hammer, and, uh, mm-hmm. and is also Don Hammer uh, on uh, Twitter, I believe. I'll answer to any of those. No, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, and also joining us, it is uh, possibly Britain's finest football columnist. Um, Obviously, the print medium is uh, on its knees, nearly dead. And some of the, some of the people that we've had on, like uh, Jim Monroe, who was the absolute king of uh, sports writing at the Daily Telegraph, works generally online now. But still, you can see on paper, abandoned on tube carriage floors, articles written by Jacob Steinberg. Hello, that's Hello, a Jacob. lovely intro. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you've written some, uh, uh, some great articles recently, as well as the stuff about, you know, match reports, all the sort of stuff about... Uh, DEFRA, uh, Democratic Football Lads Alliance. There, there were some articles yeah. about that, which yeah. were all very interesting yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, so it was great stuff. Thank you. Also joining us this week. Now, cast your mind back to 2007. The tail end of that season saw us poised on the brink of dropping into the championship. It was disastrous, catastrophic. People felt that the end was in sight. 
If Henry Winter was to be believed, he, one man saved us from relegation. One Argentinian man saved us from relegation, <laughs> despite stopping the ball on the line at Blackburn and being relatively rubbish for most of the season until his uh, free kick against Spurs in a defeat helped to sort of get his mojo back, after which he played pretty well. The real reason for our survival that season uh, is twofold. First, the, the manager, Alan Kerbishley, overcoming his reluctance to pick the very keen and very talented 17-year-old that had just come back from loan, Mark Noble. But also, the presence for most of the latter part of that season, it was something like seven wins in nine, wasn't it, at the end of that season, mm-hmm. of the rock in central defence that kept us up more or less single-handed <laughs> and could have, in fact, carried Mark Noble and Carlos Tevez on his shoulders like a pair of strange parrots. It is, of course, James Collins, who is here. It is the Ginger Ballet, James Collins. Thank you very much. Hello, James. I'm glad you said all that. That is one of the, <laughs> that is, uh, one of the uh, earliest moments when uh, uh, James uh, uh, came to our attention, in fact, came to our salvation by helping keep us up that season. And uh, there are many similar stories like that for checkered throughout his career, which we will discuss uh, in depth now. James. A couple of seasons ago, you were a couple of rows behind me. Uh, Arsenal. I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My son, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, you have always been one of those players that the fans have taken to. Yeah. Uh, and I think if, even if you didn't do things like that, they would still like you. Mm. Um, somebody that you and I were just talking about, Teddy Sheringham, didn't have to particularly do anything to make the fans liked him. Fans just had the sense about him that he was a good bloke. Yeah. I think you... You've got to be a good footballer, haven't you? I don't think fans have ever sort of like a player that's not very good. You know, maybe they do. Yeah, no, I, I think you're like right. Players that are um, less than good. I was, I got no bones in. I'm never the best. Certainly not the best player to ever play for West Ham. But I don't know if it's the way you're I was up brought, there. James. I don't know if it was the way I was brought up or the way I played. I just made sure that even if I wasn't having a good game, I'd, I'd give my all. Yeah, because I knew I was in a, a fortunate position to be there. You know, obviously hard work getting there, but um. You know, sometimes I was pinching myself playing in the Premier League, thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be here. So the least I could do is, is give my all every game. Do you get a good reception when you go back to Cardiff and Villa? Uh, not so much at Villa. Right. Um, I haven't been back to Cardiff for years, to be honest. I haven't, I haven't seen them play too. Obviously, I'm no. not long, well, I haven't retired, but not long finished playing every week. So, um, no, I, I got a bit of stick at Villa, but now, obviously, I'm, I've gone back there. I almost signed there again last season, yeah. and, and, and the fans sort of, you know, show me uh, good, great respect and um, seemed happy to have me back at the time. Obviously, it didn't mm-hmm. work out, but um, yeah, it's nothing like obviously I get at West Ham. So. Well, actually, those, was it three seasons at Villa? The first two, three. two yeah. were great, wasn't it? And obviously, yeah. the Malay, it's funny because the period in which you didn't play for West Ham was yeah. when the kind of, uh, the, the absolute shit was beginning to hit the pan. That yeah. final season, you didn't play in that one, did you? Or in fact, the... No, the final I, season, the Premiership, Grant season, you didn't play. You, no, but you. No. I signed back when they came up with Sam. Yeah, when they came up with Sam. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. I left the season. They went down, unfortunately. I came back the season. Yeah, and yeah. Back up so with, with Sam, yeah. it's funny to miss that thing. Yeah, and then mad. go and play. You know, when when we're playing badly, I I'm pleased for players that go and play for someone else. Do you know yeah. what I mean? When there's just a when when something's just falling down so catastrophically. I'm like, you know, get to the escape boats, lads. Well, it was, you it, know, when Parker and Barr went at the end of that season, you couldn't resent uh, them. It wasn't my choice, really. No, to no. Go. I, um, I think Gianfranco was manager, I believe, and um, I was playing. I played the first three games, and it was all we started off pretty well. Yeah. And then I got a phone call saying, look, the club 
financially were in a bit of bother and asked, I think Stoke, I went up to speak to Stoke first. Stoke made a bid and, and, and it got accepted. Went up and spoke to Tony Pulis. Didn't really fancy it, if I'm honest. Yeah. And then came back literally the next day, Aston Villa, five mil. Went up and signed that day, yeah. Well, they were, they were starting to strip the assets of the team, weren't they? Yeah, Be- was... You know, Bellamy and, uh, Be- Bellamy and Etherington, when those two went, yeah. I think the writing was on the wall, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it didn't of... sort of... We didn't sort of see it like that. There was no sort of grumblings that they were struggling financially um, funny, until I got the money. Until the money came in for me and pretty much yeah. got told I had to go, yeah, reluctantly. We'll, we'll sort of come to that in a minute because there was mm. something they should have done. Uh, uh, there was, they, they, they could have made 15 million on a player whose form was, uh, was tailing off. And uh, Gingy's form was uh, very consistent throughout that season. Mm. Um, you know, quite often we... we we let a player go and play for England who is, in fact, uh, if someone watched the team closely, starting to have a drop-off in their form. Uh, and there were two at the World Cup that scene. Uh, Matthew Rapson, who they could have got uh, sold for £15 million and uh, kept James. And I think we might have stayed up. <laughs> I think we might have stayed up. Uh, I don't know what you think about that. It's a long time um, between, the two, between the two sales, I guess. Um, Upson was pretty good for a while. No, I mean, mm. I thought that I thought that they should have the the sale if they wanted to make some money, and I think that was the reason was 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 to you know uh, uh, liquidise their assets with Bellamy, Etherington, mm. Mm. and then James. Mm. Uh, the player to sell at that point would have been you give fifteen million from yeah. Matthew Upson. Well, I mean, no offence, but I think that quite possibly any team managed by Grant that, that year would have gone down. <laughs> uh, it sounded like it was a bit of a shambles. It was a shambles. There was something happening. Behind the scenes, though, and I think there was, there was something, you know, like people thought Scott Parker was the uh, captain of the team. Yeah. And I feel yeah. that something was, something was going wrong in our defence and, mm-hmm. and Upson's form was falling away, I thought. We actually started, if I remember correctly, started that season pretty well. I played the first three games and then went to, to Villa on deadline day and it, it all seemed, leaving it, it seemed like it was, it was going to be fine. And obviously I went to Aston Villa and we were fighting for Champions League at that yeah, point yeah, so I'm yeah. looking back at West Ham thinking jeez what's, what's, you, gone, what's gone wrong there sort of thing did you enjoy playing for Zola yeah I loved it it was too nice and um, I wouldn't say too nice um, he, he could lose it now and then but yeah there was something I think Steve Clark behind him was, was brilliant he, he sort of brought something that we hadn't seen for a while I obviously worked for Mourinho for a while and sort of come out for training the first time I'd ever really seen it where everything was set up Steve Clark had his clipboard bang from possession into this and it was all sort of done properly if you like not that it wasn't before but it was more sort of how you presume Mourinho had done it so um, yeah when I left I thought yeah like reluctantly left mm. but um, it seemed like it was going to be fine and then y- yeah, like the Christmas se- the season that he that Kirby went and Zola came that's mm. the ninth place finish isn't it that was a good finish that season yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. was the, Zola only had one full season didn't mm-hmm. he and that was the season that kind of fell apart and yeah. felt that something, something was going wrong behind the scenes that Grant didn't fix. We thought, uh, not to throw all the blame on Matthew Upson, but we did think that uh, uh, one thing Grant might have done when he came in, saw what was what at the club, might, mm. might have been to go, I might change the captain mm. to a slightly more kind of fiery person. Well, maybe that would have been tinkering, because weren't we a financial basket case generally at that time? Yeah, and we whoever were, yeah. whoever would have been holding the reins, I think 
it was only going in one direction. Maybe we didn't know it at the time, but looking back from a couple of years later, um, it was it was a sinking ship financially. I, I didn't actually work for Avram. Like I said, we, no. like I said, I'd moved, but um, obviously I've been close to Mark Noble the whole time, and he was saying it was it seemed a shambles, if you like. Yeah, something was wrong behind the scenes that I think started in the Zola era and uh, didn't get fixed in the Grant era. Mm. There was something, you know, eating away at the kind of um, spirit in the dressing room that, that didn't get addressed and didn't get changed by Grant. A lot seemed to stay the same that was wrong the previous season. I think. He, he didn't change anything, though, really. You, right. Like you said, it was you could see it was sort of sliding, and, and what I gather, nothing, he didn't really change. And no. I'm not sure if his heart was in it, to be honest, the way mm. I the, some of the stories I was hearing coming out and... But, yeah, like you say, it was, a, it was a disaster of a season. So when you arrived from Cardiff, uh, yeah. what did you think when the offer came in uh, for you and Danny Gabidon at Cardiff? Well, we, it's funny enough, we, we went in first day pre-season at Cardiff. Dave Jones had just got the Cardiff job. First thing he said, he'd been taught, because we played against West Ham at Ninian Park the season before, and I think we beat West Ham 4-1. Yeah. And J- Jermaine Defoe played up front for West Ham. Alan Pardew was manager, and me and Gabs were, were brilliant on the night. And... Uh, there was talk since then, but then we went in the following pre-season and Dave Jones said, right, you two are not going anywhere. So we mm-hmm. weren't looking to leave, you know, we were enjoying both, both from Newport, so only down the road. Two days later, bid come in and we're, we're yeah. up, to, up to London. So um, it moved pretty quick. And then as soon as we got there, it was, spoke to, I must say, Alan Pardew and Peter Grant, the first people we met in Waltham Abbey Marriott in, uh, in Waltham Abbey. And just straight away, we were, we were taken back by, you know, their plans and, and, and obviously the club. Yeah, I remember. I remember um, uh, my normal co-host on this podcast, who just knows a lot more about other clubs' players than I do. Kind of went. Uh, Collins is the one. Yeah, Collins is the one that will play. Collins is. Uh, that's what they sort of. That's what Alan Pardew said. To be mm. honest, if Gabs was sat here, he'd say the same. He sort of. I think they paid more money, like for Gabs, but right. Pard said it himself. He was looking for me to play and. I think I might have got a niggle early on and, and obviously didn't get in. And then Anton and, and, and Gabs played very well that season, so I didn't, I didn't play as much as I'd want. But, um, yeah, that's how it seemed. And like I said, if Gabs was here, he'd say the same thing. They sort of looked at me as the... Because I was probably slightly younger, probably, mm, on, probably mm. on less money as well. So um, Right, right. It was, uh, it was nice to hear. And like I said, Alan Pardew was, was brilliant for me that year. For the whole yeah. team, he was, he was amazing. Yeah, it was a good season. Yeah. That was one of the, probably the best seasons you would have played at. At West Ham, the cup final that year. Yeah, I didn't play the cup final. Still, no. uh, still you think about the it. I played the you? semi. Yeah, because we had Lionel Scaloni on loan. Yeah. yeah, we won't talk about that in the <laughs> final. But uh, <laughs> Anton was playing right back, and me and Gabs were playing centre half. And like I said, played in the final, and and then Paz decided to drop me and put put Scaloni in for the final. Yeah, we know, we know you didn't play in the final because had you played, your body would have been on the line as that Gerard shot had come in. <laughs> And history would have been very Well, I'd like different. to think if I hadn't played, Anton would have probably played right back. I don't know if everyone remembers it, but the throw-in, obviously, in the corner. All Scaloni's yeah. got to do is let it run I out remember. for a goal yeah. kick. Yeah. yeah, But do you it's remember, crazy. though, the day... I was speaking to um, Jamie Carragher about it the weekend, and he's like, he couldn't believe that... They sort of put pressure on us because it was... They closed him down, yeah. didn't they? Which but is if he just puts his throw, it yeah. goes out for a goal kick. And Although, yeah, in fairness over. to Lionel, wasn't it his cross that Carragher put the own goal in? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so don't but, remember that. But they, they, but they did, I remember that they because it, it was a Liverpool West Ham player was injured or something, or they put the ball out, and it's quite unusual, isn't it, that they would then having chucked the ball back at them that they then close down, close, close yeah, yeah, down. Yeah. I mean, was there yeah, any kind of reaction from hundred percent? But um, 
Was there any reaction they didn't, that they didn't, day? They didn't sort of... We were that gutted, I don't think right. we really thought... I didn't even realise that Lionel could have let it run out till two, three days later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was a mad day. I remember sitting on the bench and Matty Everton, and I'm close with Matty, had come off. I'm sat there, it's 90 minutes up, and I actually looked at him. I probably put the mockers on it and said, we, we've won the FA Cup. And it was... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's probably my yeah. fault that I said that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Put the mark. How, how was that day generally? Because you're going back, not to your actual hometown, but to your footballing yeah. hometown. Was it? it was... No, you were at the cup final with Villa as well, weren't you? Uh, or... Carling Cup. That Carling was at Cup. Wembley, though. That, that was, was at, at Wembley. Wembley. Yeah. So they so... were at the Millennium, but then you don't get to play. What? I yeah, mean, I... What was that like? That... It was a strange one, really. I, like I said, I was young. I didn't really take it in, but certainly if I was older and I'd got dropped the way I did after, I thought I was playing really well. I played well yeah. in the semi final. Mm. If I was older, I would have I would have reacted a lot different. But again, I was probably pinching myself that we was actually involved in in the FA Cup final and sort of took yeah. it on the chin. And, and and I'm not one to sort of dwell on it or be a be a bad apple if you like in the dressing rooms. I'm not playing, and I just just enjoyed it. And unfortunately, you know, we yeah. all know what happened. Yeah. What I remember about that day particularly was that Dean Ashton terrorised and he was yeah, absolutely he was superb. Yeah, and Ben Ayoun. Yeah, yeah, but Ashton they that, that ben day was. He was uh, it was just before the World Cup. He didn't get in the squad, but then yeah. obviously he got in the England squad yeah. a few months later, and he gets his ankle broken yeah. by Sean, Sean Wright. I mean, how, having Sean. played, you played with him at that point. You played with him before and after yeah. the injury. Like, how good was he before the injury? Before the injury, he was phenomenal. He was. He certainly would have gone on to be one of the best centre forwards at West Ham had seen. I'd say stuff he used to do in training and. Looked after himself well, ultimate professional, and like you say, when he went to England and and that sort of happened, uh, it was devastating for him. But then he took a lot of time to come back, and I think, if, like you say, if Dino was sat here now, I think he, like the early early doors, you know, starting to train again. I think he, I think deep down he knew it was it was going to be tough, or if he'd play again. And I remember the day he actually retired, and we were warming up, and Dino was in front of me and Mark Noble having a bit of banter in the warm up. And we could hear this sort of like clicking or rubbing. And we thought Dino had new boots on or something. And it was, you know, something was rubbing in his boots. Oh, and it was his ankle. And he just broke down tears. He, he worked so hard at, to yeah, come back, didn't he? Looked at me and Mark Noble and yeah. went, that's it, I'm done. Can't, can't do it. He wasn't overweight in any sort of stretch no. of the imagination, but he was a, he was a big boy. Mm. Yeah. And just everything going through that ankle. He, 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 he worked so and, hard to come yeah. back. He had a sort of a spell out when he came back and he'd done... Um, what Antonio has sometimes done, which yeah. is spend a lot of time in the gym. So he yeah. was quite sort of big. Yeah. And uh, he um, he was suffering a little bit with kind of stamina throughout the game. Mm. And then he had another spell out and he came back and he was as lean as a yeah. butcher's dog and was running around for 90 minutes. Yeah. He suddenly had this engine uh, that came out of nowhere and you were like, oh, he's back, he's back, he's back. But then he broke down again and that was it. There's no doubt he, yeah. he's probably worked the hardest I've ever seen anyone work to get back to from that. It was, it was a bad injury. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 you know, looking back, he probably done well to play at all again after it, to be honest. And um, I said the work he was putting in in the gym was was incredible. And, you know, it's probably one of the saddest things I've seen in football, actually, for a player to stop mid-warm-up and, and know he, mm. you know and he had finished that's, that's and, and that was it. Oh, in terms of natural ability, I mean, you, you played with a few good strikers at mm. West Ham. Was he, oh, was he the best? Yeah, best by a mile. Yeah? I mean, yeah, by a mile. I'm trying to think who there's been. But... Natural got... He had everything. Like, me as a centre-half playing against him, you know... He was big, strong, didn't mind working the channels and his finishing was, was probably up there with the best I've ever seen. And it, it, was, it was such a shame because, like you say, the, the seasons following that, we, we could have done with him Absolutely, with his goals because yeah, yeah. we, weren't, we weren't defending the best, to be honest. Well, yeah, he was out the whole of the 06, 07 season, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, so, yeah. So, so what do we... 
what happened in six seven? Because uh, you know, after the after that great season, first season back mm. in the Premiership, uh, um, I sort of felt that. History has kind of consigned uh, the arrival of Mascherano and Tevez as the sort of reason for things starting to go wrong. But I felt even then, because they came in at the end of the transfer mm. window, and a couple of games at the beginning of the season where I felt things were, weren't right, you know, there seemed to be something slightly awry. You know, Mullins, Mullins uh, scored in a game and was, was good. I think Rio Coca came back not as good yeah. at the beginning of the next season. Mullins was, was still... I think but something seemed to be. I I felt a slight looking, niggle of panic. Looking back, I, I'm not sure it was panic, and I, I can't put my finger on it. But dare I say, I feel like there was a bit of arrogance about us, like because we had done so well the season before, got to the cup final. I think a bit of complacency, maybe a bit mm, of mm. this is going to be easier than we thought, and and obviously you know second season back up, and I know Anton and Rio were sort of thinking they might get in the England squad that year. And like I said, I, I don't want to say arrogance, complacency, I think, set in that it was going to be easy and, you know, it was it was far from it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, the, you know, the transformation at the end of the season, as we've, mm. as we've talked about already, was, uh, was powerful. We finished the season really well. I mean, yeah. we were really competitive in all of those games. And I think, yeah, it was seven out of nine at the end. Yeah, it was, won, yeah. Six clean sheets, I think, yeah, yeah. that I was yeah. counting. Yeah, <laughs> extraordinary. We had the clean sheet at... Arsenal. Arsenal. That's yeah. still Rob, one of the most Rob bizarre Green. games of yeah. 38 shots on goal, I think, Arsenal had that. And yeah. we won 1-0 and Robert Green had the game of his life. Yeah. The whole back four played well, but it was went to obviously went to Old Trafford, clean sheet. I think we beat Everton at home 3-0 as well. And it all started from the game at Blackburn where Tevez has stopped Bobby's shot on the line, which yeah. was offside and not a goal, which, yeah. which yeah. sort of turned it all yeah. in our favour. The influence of Lucas Neal at that mm. time, because it was, as a fan... It was. It seemed apparent. He he seems to be visibly growing, and his influence was growing and performing a real captain's role. And I wonder what he was like in the dressing. He was room. brilliant. He's probably one of the best captains I've ever worked for, um, mm. on and off the pitch. He had a real desire to, as we all did, real desire to win. Real, real desire because there was a lot of. He could have gone to Liverpool and came mm. to West Ham for more money if 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 what you if what they've written was to be believed. But um, he was tremendous. We had a young squad. Really, look at it like. Myself was at the time, Rio Coca, Anton, Gabs was relatively young, Mark Noble yeah. was coming to the team and he was just, he was just brilliant. He, for team spirit, talking to the manager, the sort of go-between between players and, and a real desire to, to stay in the league and win games. And, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of what, for me personally as well, playing right side centre-half next to him. He was he was top. He thought. had he a little a spell player. at centre back. Yeah, yeah, he, he could play centre half. Yeah, he, I think he might have played midfield a couple of times. Maybe he, well. he definitely improved when he went to right back. Yeah. didn't he, he was sort of a, he, he was a little suspect at um, centre half. I mm. thought, uh, especially since we had some good ones, so we didn't really. That's good <laughs> ones that probably weren't playing well enough. Probably. Because, That's why yeah. he was, he because was there. the escape was so improbable. Was mm-hmm. there a time in the dressing room where you you kind of thought we're, we're down? I can't see us doing this. I don't think it was ever said, but I think we had 20 points end yeah. of December or something, or even later, March maybe. 20 po- 10 we- points behind Sheffield United yeah, and it losing was, to them in April. Yeah, it was bleak. It was never said. It was bleak, yeah. yeah. And uh, it was never said, but we knew if we could go on a run. No, no one was winning around us either, which obviously helps. If a team was steaming off and winning games, or a couple of, couple of teams were, it would have been tough. But 
I remember we had a meeting, like, you know, one of those motivational meetings. We had the videos, all the, all the players' best bits, and, and you sort of felt the real change. And then, like I said, going up to Blackburn and, and nicking that result, if you like, 2 1 on the night. And I think they had a couple of chances late on, and, and, and just that win was massive. And then that, that when we went on, I don't think anyone could. I mean, the Tottenham really defeat see. was massive, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't actually play that. In was that. The yeah, yeah, yeah. that was the turning point. Yeah. I mean, it was a turning yeah. point because it was. Uh... I think you look at Mark Noble and a few of the boys' faces after that, I mm. thought. Yeah. They, they thought. Yeah. This is this is done, like. But um, like you said, we went on an incredible run. That I don't think it'll probably be. Well, hopefully, it's not after had to be yeah. done again. But um, no, it was brilliant. And what about uh, what about Kirbishley? Uh, because obviously, you know, he came in and that's and we stayed up. Mm. And uh, um, was he a good influence? Did he, he was amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. Came in and and turned it around. He had great staff with him, and uh, and really believed we'd stay up. You know, if you've got a manager coming in and who's not confident or. Or sort of, you know, his, his heart's not in it, if you like. But um, as soon as Curbs come in, he, he was brilliant. Got the boys playing well. Lucas Neal, like I said, was, was a major influence as well on us. Mm. And um, like I said, I don't think that'll ever be ever be done again. Some, no. of the, some of the results we got, even not playing well at the end, some games, and getting wins was, was in, incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, you've played in, in most of our best finishes in the last kind of 20 years because then it was the, it was the 10th place finish yeah. under... Kirbishly wasn't yeah. it next year and then we had the ninth under Zola I, th- I think uh, and then you left and then things fell apart and then you <laughs> yeah. came back and we finished 10th under Allardyce yeah, yeah. and then 7th under Billich so I in fact, of, you, you featured in all of our th- best seasons I think the, the way last. I sort of play is my brother said it before I sort of play the best in adversity if that makes sense the, yeah, the games yeah. where it's do or die got to win the way I play obviously the tackles mm-hmm. I enjoy, enjoy the the defending and sort of I used to like going one nil up and like with 10, 15 minutes ago, that was my best time, you know, balls coming in the box and, and, and really having to put everything on, mm, mm. on the line. And obviously those games, so much pressure on them is, is sort of where I thrived. Yeah. When you were, when you were a young player, uh, you played up front sometimes, didn't you? I yeah. Did. Yeah. I, saw, I, um, I made my debut for Cardiff centre forward. Yeah. That's scored, amazing, isn't it? scored against Colchester at Ninian Park. A couple of those, Ian Pierce. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ian I, I didn't really play up front for yeah, West. Yeah. I think Sam chucked me up there a couple yeah, of yeah, times yeah. with three minutes to go. Oh, he did. <laughs> sort of ran around like a fish up a tree for 10 minutes. But um, yeah, I started to centre forward and for Cardiff. I think Lenny Lawrence or Alan Cork maybe thought, no, this, this isn't working. And I'd played centre half before and they moved me back and then sort of played for Cardiff from 17 to 21 at, at centre-half, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What do you think makes a good centre-half? You know, we, I, when, when Rice played at centre-half last season, mm. um, season before last, yeah. under, under Moyes, yeah. uh, there's quite a lot of, uh, oh, old head on young shoulders. Because yeah. he did a lot of pointing and he did often stand in the right place. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. he was good at reading the game. He yeah. kind of sort of saw a potential attack and stood in the right yeah. place to break that attack up. And, and people were like, God, he's 18. Yeah. Is, is it sort of... Is there just a sense of kind of a positional sense that you just can't teach that players have? I thought Declan was going to be a centre-half. I must be yeah, honest. I've got, I got no bones about it. I played yeah. a couple of games pre-season with him at centre-half and then I played later on. I think we played at Burnley where we, we got a good result this, that season, last game of the season. I thought he was going to be a centre-half but you couldn't sum it up any better. He's, he's an old head on young shoulders. You watch mm. how he plays midfield now. The amount of work he does... You know, stopping the balls into the centre four with the centre half seven, you know, it'd be it'd be brilliant for me. But um, I think it's like I've sort of played because I've never had pace, so I sort of that last ditch tackles that I used yeah. to do and the blocks was 
was sort of I knew I had to do because <laughs> no, you know, no bones about it. A lot of the time, because I didn't have the pace, I was yeah. I was probably in the wrong position to be honest. But um, but there is that kind of um, pushing a you know showing showing a player the outside rather than the inside. Isn't yeah, there's, there's always certainly not. You're always really good. Your positional sense is excellent. Just running a player into the corner rather than letting him kind of come inside you. Yeah, that's, that's that is stuff that I, I you know I guess that can be coached, but it it can be coached. That's that's basic yeah. basic defending, but um. <laughs> I think a lot yeah, can't do it. it. Yeah, a lot can't do it. But um, it's changed a lot. Centre half from when I started. Certainly the way I, I played. I know it's branded about a lot like old school. But um, I used to love the the actual defending, ta- yeah. big big tackles, headers, you know, and and blocks and bits and bobs. But unfortunately, that's that's probably not fashionable anymore to be to be that sort of defender. I I, I didn't have any qualms about. I was there to win the ball back and, and give it to Mark Noble if I could mm, do that mm. all game. You know, you, I, I was more than happy. How do you feel about that, the, the change in the perception? I don't think they'll ever... It should never go out of fashion being a good defender. Like I said, I don't see anything wrong with winning the ball back and giving it to the, to the better players, if you like, to go mm. and, and do what they do. But unfortunately, there's this real... I don't know, sort of drive now to, to every time playing out from the back and the amount of goals I see going in from, from teams trying to overplay from the back is... Mm. I know a lot of people want to see the football played the right way and passing that, but I don't see anything wrong when it's when it's not on to play to to get up the pitch and squeeze and like I said, the amount of goals that are going in now from from trying to play from the back is yeah. is, is, is insane. You, you, you played for a manager who didn't really mind sort of upsetting the crowd with no. Uh, I'm talking about, <laughs> about here. Big and, yeah, yeah, he didn't yeah. mind upsetting with the way that he played. Even the, the beauty about Big Sam was he. He knew it was results, especially with the, the owners and, and sort of the sticky guy. He, he was about winning football games, and he had no qualms about upsetting anyone the way he was playing. He was he was all about results, and um, he certainly brought players in or, or had a squad that could play both because we you know we didn't always lump it. We played we played a little bit if you like, but um, he was there to keep not not keep us up to finish as high as he can, and he, he saw a certain way of, of playing and. I think we were quite effective, especially mm. when, when Big Andy was, was fit and playing. So, um, yeah. so there were a couple. There were a couple of times, you know. I mean, obviously, from from Pardew to Kirbishley and Kirbishley to Zola, there were times yeah. when sort of something started to go wrong. What, what was it? Because because. There was a little spell under Zola that you could see what he wanted sort of happening in front of you. There was a, there yeah. was, there was a game, I think it was Newcastle at home, where, where we had sort of Etherington, Dimichaili and Cole as a yeah. front, front three and a four, three, yeah, yeah, three. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of went, we were watching this going, and they really took Newcastle, I think it was Newcastle, I yeah, think yeah, they took was, them yeah, apart. Yeah. Yeah. They just took them apart. Dimichaili looked like... The best yeah. player in the world in that game. I mean, absolutely did. And you thought, this is what he wants. This is what he wants. And then about two weeks later, it was like, we sold Everington. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, don't do yeah. that. He don't do that. Stoke, and things kind of slightly sort of, you know, fell apart. Because Bellamy was injured for quite a bit. Yeah, now, wasn't he? And then he, towards the end, Bellas, yeah. I remember him playing at Portsmouth, I think, and we just demolished him, like yeah. 4-1 or something. And he scored... He put his foot on the ball in the inside their penalty area, removed it about six inches, yeah. and then kicked it in. He had so much time, uh, and you thought, you "Here we go again." I scored at Portsmouth, two thousand and six, five was it? Yeah. Right foot volley, bottom corner, Boxing, Boxing Day, Boxing Day, I think. First, first goal for West Ham, one one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mum and my mum and dad were in the crowd. I remember. Yeah. 
I, I had a knack. Of, I had a knack of getting about scoring against Chelsea. I scored for Villa against Chelsea as well. Did you? I got uh, three or four goals against Chelsea. I was there and went with my son for that game. The first opening game of the season, wasn't it? Monday Chelsea, night. The yeah, Monday yeah. night. Yeah, Monday yeah. night game. And then what's his name? Costa. The last, Costa. Costa scored the last kick. Oh, Straight yeah. for my legs. Yeah. But, <laughs> he, he must be one of the toughest that you've. Yeah, yeah he was. I used to quite like the. You'd sort of give him a little tackle, knowing he was a bit fiery. And but he, I remember like I did it a couple of times, and he had a real look of anger in his yeah. eyes. And you thought this this geezer's up for the fight here, and he he was a handful, I must say. But that was a that was a great game. We chucked it away really. It was a sloppy goal last minute. I think they scored, gone through my legs as usual. And uh, yeah, the guy had a had a decent. Even though we always seemed to lose five four or five one for a long time against yeah. Chelsea, I always I always seemed to score the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for about three, four years, that glancing yeah. header yeah. in the four-one, yeah. one, yeah. Yeah. one, yeah. one yeah. nil up, and they were yeah. down to ten. Ten men, yeah, yeah. yeah. sent off, <laughs> lost four-one. <laughs> it always, it always seemed to happen. Who were some of the hardest uh, players you played against? Didier Drogba, right, straight off the bat. Yeah, uh, sort of that sort of time, two thousand and five, mm. two thousand and six. I mean, he he was the sort of definitive player for that yeah. kind of four-five-one, wasn't yeah. he? He was it, when when teams tried to kind of create a 4-5-1 yeah. thing, you're going that, but, you know, Andy Carroll is obviously very tall, and that sort of works with that, but, but Dropper was the one he, who they had fast people that ran past him, so that when he won a header there was exactly. someone to pick up the second yeah, ball yeah. you see 4-5-1 played, where basically a ball is lumped to somebody up yeah. front, who it basically bunces off That's the top That's what of we tried head. to do for a long time if I, with Andy, yeah. you lump it up there and you're sort of in Catch twenty two. A lot of us wanted to sort of play, and then all of a sudden, right, hit Andy. And a lot of the time, like, well, if no one's running felt, ahead, felt of him. sorry for him. Mm. He, he was right. trying to hold the ball up against yeah. four or five defenders mm. with no, no, not a West Ham player within forty yeah. yards of him because we were hitting him so t- early. Does, a, does having a big man up front slightly make you subconsciously start kind of playing four five one? Because I remember a post match interview when Colton had been injured for a little while, and he mm. came back, and Matthew Upson said, oh, "It's great having Colton back because you know that there's always that outlet mm. to bang it long to him." I think, and I suppose there is, especially there with is Andy, that, that when he was on form and. How powerful he was! You knew if you could hit him, and and like you say, we probably did it too much at times, and, and relied mm-hmm. on him to hold it up. But um, there certainly is that. You know, there's probably an easier pass on, but I think Andy could hold it up and, yeah. and, and get a sixty yards up the pitch with with one ball. Certainly, under Sam was sort of, like I said, we probably did it too much, but he was that effective when he was playing that it was it was it was stupid not to. It feels like you've got to have runners though. Haven't yeah, you? yeah. Like That's the thing though. Like say go we, past him, me and Nobs or someone yeah. were trying to play at yeah. the back, and then it'd go up and. and and by the yeah. time it's gone up to Andy, like I said, with 40, 50 yards now, away now from Now you're defending against someone like that and yeah. you can't have your arms up anymore mm. in, a, in an unnatural position. And pundits on the radio will say, well, players will just have to learn to jump without raising their arms. How does that impossible. work? Can you, mm. so, <laughs> it's impossible. I so you're the one that's about to give away the penalty. Yeah. How on earth do you play against a big centre forward that... That will jump and take a chance with their arms. <laughs> Believe up. it or not, when I was at Aston Villa, I played against Grant Holt, I believe, who was at Norwich at the time. And me and, he was winning everything in the air against me and Richard Dunn. And this is what me and, me and Richard Dunn looked at each other and went, right, we can't, you can't jump with your arms. The referee was on it all game. So I decided to headbutt him as hard as I could on the back <laughs> of the head. And hopefully he got cut or something like that. So I've gone up. It was either me or Dunny. I said, next one that comes up, just nutting basically on the back of the air because we can't yeah. win the header so I went up bang come on me nutted him thinking it hurt me 
I've gone down. I think I ended up having nine stitches in my head. Yeah, look round. Grant Holt's still running around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm off with nine stitches. Come back on. But and it was just, yeah. I don't, you know, you can't get away with anything, I suppose, anymore. It's just the way the game's gone. Yeah. Gone. I mean, what about, again what about... Some... I did it with big Duncan Ferguson when I was young and thought I'd never do that again. And then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing. I'm on the floor and he's running around laughing at me, I think. But uh, I yeah, remember that didn't the, go to plan. The that. first ex-West Ham player we had on this podcast, and we were so excited, was Frank McAvenny. We yeah. went, who was the hardest sense about you played in? Yeah, we went, yeah. Oh, Mick McCarthy. Jesus Christ. Someone had... Um, you know, we went up to play uh, uh, City and someone had said... Uh, uh, Mick McCarthy's after you. And yeah, yeah. I didn't even know him. I didn't yeah. even know. So, you know, I thought I've got to get in first. So, you know, it's like kick off. And then I just elbowed him on the bridge of the nose. And yeah. he said he turned around and McCarthy's just standing there, Loved smiling yeah. at him yeah. with blood pouring yeah. down his face, <laughs> just with this grin on his face going, I'm That's probably what Mick would have wanted, though. Yeah. That was the sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. He went, Right, we're, we're up for a battle now. But yeah, yeah like yeah. you say, the, the arms in the air thing. <laughs> And holding in, the, you know, holding in the penalty areas, like the, at the beginning of, was it last season? Yeah. They were going, we're going to crack down on that. We're going to, that cracking down sort of hasn't happened because I think it's difficult to... Then then like nine, so difficult to nine penalties it. in there was, that's six right. games or something yeah, yeah. stupid and it was just... It's one of those things you can't, you just can't put it into action, can you? It's like no, a seven second rule with There'd be 20 penalties a game the way they yeah. were going. It, was, it, it went a bit it's mad, didn't it? Difficult and, to make that work, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the stadium? How did you feel when it, what was the change like when it... When you moved there in what twenty sixteen, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was strange. I must be honest. Like, I've all I knew was Upton Park, and obviously mm. all the fans and and loved playing there. Loved playing at Upton Park, like especially evening games. And then we went to this stadium, and the the biggest thing I found was sort of other teams. No disrespect to the smaller teams, Burnleys and that were coming to the ground and going, "Wow, this is nice." And they were sort of up in their games and that as well, because it was like mm. playing at Wembley for them. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. Sort of every team we weren't playing great. We we didn't we didn't um, we didn't take to it too well. And like I said, other teams were coming there, and it seemed like they were all raise, really raising their game. And then obviously, you know, I think if we had gone there, results had had been better. Obviously, yeah. results are key to, to anything. If we had gone there, and won the first five, it would never be mentioned. But right. obviously, we got there and had a crazy slow start, and sort of it all sort of snowballed from there. But it, it, it was different. You know, obviously, straight away we noticed how far the fa- the fans were away. Yeah, I was told that the, the dugout fans was that you couldn't hear not you personally, but the, the team that you couldn't hear. You you could hear when it was good. It was it's good, but when it was sort of lulls in a game and it was it was it was quite, it was like playing a reserve game. It was, it was not not down to the fans' fault. The fact that yeah. they were they were so far away and what we were used to at Upton Park, obviously, everyone on top of you, but. Um, there's no doubt it, it affected us. I, I don't know in what sort of way, mm. but it, it, I don't know if it's the other teams performing better there or. But it certainly did. Uh, it was it was a huge change. Do you feel the, the, they, I don't think the pitch was bigger, was it? But no. it seemed bigger. But it did, did it just feel bigger? bigger? As big as they lawfully could. It's yeah. the biggest pitch in the league, yeah. I believe, isn't it? Yeah. it? I think it was longer. Longer, wasn't it? But, yeah. Yeah. but this is going to sound mad to say. Do you remember when they had the green carpet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to like it in Diags normally shanked them and didn't go to where I wanted but this is going to sound like an excuse you couldn't really tell where, from the far side you couldn't really tell where the pitch ended no, no, because no, of the yeah, green yeah. carpet behind if that makes sense yeah, yeah. Yeah. so I remember the amount of balls that used to go out of play I think I think we got a stat the first season I think the ball was only in play for about 47 minutes of a game right it was taking like 10 yeah. 5 10 minutes for the ball to come back from the stand and it was like it was yeah. bizarre but I mean you, you know a few players there obviously still yeah. do they say that it has I think it's, I, the, I would say Saturday's the, the first time I've seen it. I think it makes a hell of a difference. I think yeah. it does, yeah. 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 From, where, from yeah. where we are, we're, we're sort of almost pitch level. And uh, you can see that, you know, like, yeah. like hitting a golf shot or, you know, 
throwing something into a bin from across the room. Yeah, yeah. Your natural range finding, you know, yeah. hand to eye coordination. Uh, you know, we could see when it was when it was when the outside yeah. was green that you're kind of going, I can't see where the pitch yeah, stops. Yeah. I can't it um, pitch stops. it made some mass. Like I said, it's the, one of the first times I've been back there since I left uh, on Saturday, and it for me just looking at it, it made made hell of a difference. Yeah, mm. yeah. And you, you, I guess the, the, you had that day as well against Burnley and oh yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. But it was one of your worst days of West Ham uh, player. It, I t- obviously, there was massive pressure going into the game. We were we should have beaten Burnley, but I think when the first fan went on, we was, we was one nil down and probably mm. yeah still in the game. Better it, probably playing not too bad. Silly breakaway goal and they score. And then I think Noel said when he grabbed the fella look. You could sort of sense we were never going to get back in it. I think you're just nervous about what was going to happen next. Who was coming on? And yeah, it was it was mad. Well, suddenly and it wasn't a football game. No, nah, it, it was just an, it even was the Bur- even the Burnley players were going yeah. to me and knows, oh, geez, what's yeah. what's going on here? Like, do you know what I mean? They they, yeah. they knew they'd won the game by then because yeah. you could see we were thinking, you know, yeah, yeah. is someone going to run on and, and chin you yeah. up from behind or or something like that? But those first couple of seasons were tough because we just weren't playing very well. No, nah, exactly. Like yeah. I said, if results yeah. had gone, if we'd gone yeah. in and won games, it would never yeah. have got mentioned, but... No, I mean, it, actually, it the, the change the of manager to, to Moyes, yeah. uh, you know, there was a, I think the fans, because there was that series of marches that sort of didn't happen and stuff like that, because in, mm. the, way, in the way it was just this abstract marching because we're unhappy, you know. Yeah. Um, so there was a bit of a clearing of the air and it took, mm. a, it took Moyes a little while. You could, see, yeah. you could see what he was doing. You could see the upper Watford in that first game, which we lost 3-0, yeah. he just put a team out and went, yeah. right, I'm going to look see, at this See, look at everyone, yeah. Then he was very sort of positive. He kind of went, I, there I, were things... I, I felt sorry for David Moyes, I must say, that season. Um, he'd come in and it was tough. Obviously, he, he would have heard all the, the grumblings of the fans who who didn't want him, I suppose. But um, he was. I, I thought he was brilliant. So Tra- training was brilliant. He was very... Um, we used to work on set plays for like 45 minutes. He'd have a st- yeah. standing out there for for ages and ages and um, I honestly thought think well I know I do because I spoke to him he, he thought he was getting the job he was there to keep yeah, us up and, yeah, yeah yeah yes I mean you know of, the, the, and he the, did it quite comfortably yeah there was a sort of there was a sort of slightly confused uh, you know argument on social media about sort of uh, uh, changing manager in the closed season mm. at the end of that season because you were like you know the last thing we should do is, I thought, was throw everything up in the air again. Yeah. You know, there's a guy now that knows the players, yeah. did a good job, has come to the end of that season. So it's not like he's blotted his copybook mm. and was rubbish and we well, should that get was, rid of him. He'd done a yeah, good job. With Moyes, that was the whole fiasco with my contract, to be honest with David, because he didn't know if he was going to be there. So I was, I didn't know who to speak to, didn't know where to go. If I went yeah, to David Moyes yeah. and said, am I getting a contract? He's like, I can't so, give you an answer because I, I don't know if I'm getting yeah, one. Yeah. So I can't make that decision. Yeah. So that's why it just went on as long as it did but um yeah i spoke to i spoke to david moyes and i firmly believe he, he thought he had the job but yeah, obviously yeah. he didn't yeah you know it, it it's it's fine what happened but it wasn't mm. it wasn't necessarily that uh people loved david moyes or hated david moyes i was certainly nervous about just throwing everything up in the air again and getting yeah. a new guy in well, as it is hindsight you look at it now it was yeah. it was a tremendous decision well, because obviously him, pellegrini's been incredible and they gave him Money, they yeah, get yeah, yeah, money yeah. To buy You could sort of money. see. I think, I think with me going, it was sort of right. This is a fresh start now. Do you know what I mean? The, the, the sort of the signings they were making, you could you could tell, and, and sort of the structure they had behind is, is in recruitment. I think there was obviously been a lot talk, talked about the the previous way signings used to be sort of conducted, if you like, and it, it sort of 
I went back in and trained. I think the start of Pellegrini's first season, they, they kindly had me back there, and you could sort of see a difference. You know, there was different sort of people about who were, who were bringing the signings in, and and you've got to say they've done they've done hell of a job. Yeah, and that comes to them German spend, spending money. You know, he he got a lot of stick, or does get a lot of stick, David Sullivan. But to be fair to him, he's he's, he's made he's put the money put the money up and made some some great signings. Yeah, they've got to. I mean, everyone's got a bit of money now. Haven't yeah, they? yeah, yeah. Every, everyone's buying twenty million. Well, that's the thing. If you've got the top four spending fifty million on fullbacks or or yeah. something like that for a team like West Ham, who, who sort of are got to be aiming for the top six now, surely. That's the sort of money they got to be spending, and like I said, fair play to David Sullivan. He's, yeah. he's done it. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, if Zola hadn't basically had the club kind of slightly asset stripped under mm. him, I think you know that that was the style of football, and uh, that you know we could have uh, um, pursued and kept playing. But unfortunately, the global economy had collapsed. Yeah. We had to sell players to break even, and uh, uh, it was a you know, it's got a wretched time, and yeah. <laughs> it was very good. For, Perfect time for you to go and play for another football team. Yeah, have two great seasons. Back, at Villa. It was, yeah, yeah, and then this back. weird malaise happened to Villa, didn't it? There was something was that ended up in them being relegated. A bit like us, something started very, to very similar. go wrong. Very similar. It? Randy yeah. Lerner owned yeah. Aston Villa when I was there, and I think the the start. The, I had one good season. Then we finished sixth, uh, Carling Cup final at the time, FA Cup semi final, both at Wembley, and then we went away back in pre season. And we sold James Milner. And, de- and, de- right. and Martin right. O'Neill wanted, I think we sold him 25 million or something. Martin O'Neill wanted the 25 million to buy Darren Bent. And they mm. didn't give it to him. And he walked out, basically. Oh, Martin yeah, did, yeah. yeah. And then Gerard Hula came in. They gave him 25 million and we signed Darren Bent, which was, which was bizarre. And then, turns out, Randy was, was stripping back sort of how West Ham were when I left, yeah. Is Richard Dunn as scary as he looks? No. He's not? He's... I can't speak highly enough for that fella. Yeah, yeah. Incredible man. Yeah, you're so underrated a, yeah, as, a, yeah. as a footballer. I think when we signed, we signed on the same day and, and we're close straight away. But um, I think before we signed, it was sort of when the money had come into Man City and he wasn't the fashionable sort yeah. of centre half. And he had one player of the year, five years on the bounce yeah, for Man City. Yeah, and we yeah. bought him for five million at Aston Villa. And he was, I think we conceded 30 goals that season, just got yeah. on straight away. and had a great partnership and yeah what a, what a fella yeah, yeah. what a fella yeah he's a nice guy so yeah, he looks so terrifying yeah I'd like to ask incredible defender I'd like to ask a question about character yeah except I'm not really sure what the question is yeah but because you exude it I just want to talk a bit about yeah, yeah. character and we look at we, we, we look at Tottenham at the moment and a team of brilliant players that are suddenly falling apart and yet, a year ago, we would have said, well, there's some leaders there and yeah. blah, blah, blah. But now they're just, they're just nowhere and they just seem to be playing for themselves, not the manager. Um, I mean, how, what, what is the question? How high a criteria would you put on someone's character over skills? Or, um, I, think uh, in the, I think I said it on the telly Saturday, you know, that's what I got from Tottenham this season. Look at them. There's no, there don't seem to be any leaders, and they're just sort of being, just sort of getting steamrolled in games. Do you know what I mean? But um, it's massive. I remember at West Ham, me and Mark Noble are very close, and sort of when we'd had a couple of bad results, me and Mark Noble used to have a fight in training on purpose because who, who would start it? Either him or me. He'd either attack me, call me a ginger, whatever, and it, it would just sort of. But we'd already talked about it. Do you know, it just seemed like <laughs> the team needed something or like. And you used to think, oh, other players looking at, oh, hang on, Ginger and, 
ginger knobs were having a go yeah like how much it means to them so if yeah. they're doing it everyone yeah. else do it but we used to we, we planned it a couple of times like <laughs> my, used to say the knobs come in and steam steam into me and training and we'll have a little tussle and get the boys involved and that sort of brought like i said if if ginger knobs are doing it jesus that what it yeah. means to them in training you know let's let's all sort of dig in and, and do it but like you say character for me is is massive he, I know it's games moved on. I'm talking about old school again, but you don't see the sort of characters because I mean, fo- I'm wondering if, if you can think of a successful team of just great characters, great, sorry, great players that didn't really have any leader. Can you um, has that ever really worked? Or I think one imagines with all really good teams, no. there will be three or four. Well, it's been the problem with Arsenal, I think, over the last few years, is that they're, you know, they're really great until things go against them and then they fall apart. Well, that's when you need your characters and your leaders, yeah. Yeah. Someone like Mark Noble there now, who means everything to, or when I was there. Because one thing we've said quite a lot about, um, 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 his name's one the Brazilian guy, um, Felipe Anderson, is is that he seems like a little bit introverted, you know, he switches on sometimes in games, he's like a very good at... He's very fit and very good at conserving his energy, so he'll suddenly switch on. Like yeah. highlights on match of the day make it look like he's been fantastic for yeah, ninety yeah. minutes. But he, you know, he doesn't he doesn't hide in a game. But no. he's quite an introvert. He's not flamboyant. Mm. You know, he's not a big aggressive personality. And you need that mixture of people. Oh, of course, know. yeah, it's massive. Um, uh, and some, it's just in the way they play, isn't it? They're not like Pae is actually yeah. quite a sort of introverted guy, but he controls the game. And like, yeah. you know, there's there's that thing that. He said to Kayati before that Arsenal game, I'm going to set you up with a goal. I'm yeah. going to put the ball on he, the yeah. you know. Like I said, you, West Ham have always had those sort of players, like the luxury player, if you mm-hmm. like. And But to be fair to Anderson, he, he, the games I watched, apart from Saturday, I didn't think he was he was too clever on Saturday. But um, he seems to, he doesn't mind doing the hard work as well, whereas no. D- Dimi sort of didn't, uh, no, no. didn't tend to run back too much. But we allowed that because he could yeah. go and score two, two free kicks or whatever so that was that was fine but like say the, the players they got at West Ham at the minute Anderson in particular you know what, what I've seen of him he, he seems not to mind the the hard work and I think I speak about Nobs a lot because I think he's 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 so yeah. big for West Ham I, I'm not sure anyone actually see, uh, sees it as much as I do knowing him as well as I do and playing behind him not just on the pitch the stuff he does at the training ground for new signings he's huge for yeah. that football club not just on the pitch like I said how good is he because there are times when how he hasn't played for England is yeah. is an absolute Cause no disrespect to these lads you see John Joe Shelby getting in the England team at the time when Nobles mm. was playing far better than him Jake um, Livermore Jake Livermore Tom Cleverley Tom Cleverley players and I've always said it, it until you sort of play with Nobles and see what he does from my sort of point of view, I don't think you really really realise how good of a player he is. I think pe- I, people don't realise how good he is. I think under the regime now, he'd, be, he'd have a good chance because he's captain of the under-21s and I don't think that would be ignored. Whereas throughout the yeah. sort of um, the early noughties, it was the craze that the players from the top six were playing for England. It's like, it's so ironic that, that, that Tom Cleverley was getting into the England team, but as soon as he left Manchester United and went yeah. to, was it Watford? Okay. Watford, yeah. Watford. Um, he got dropped for the England team and he played it's, better for Watford than he did for Manchester United. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he's, he's never even been sort of mentioned though. I, I don't no. remember a squad coming up and, and anyone going, Hilmer, Mark Noble yeah. could be in this squad. He almost got in that and it was, season and he finished seventh under Birch, yeah. but... Hodgson but then didn't, Hodgson it wasn't even mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if he, if he because West Ham were always struggling and he was and he never left. 
Maybe yeah, he was too loyal. Maybe, maybe he was too loyal. And no, I, just, I don't think there was any, in, ever in a chance of him leaving. No, because they got relegated yeah. and he stayed and everything. Yeah. And he's um, whenever the, whenever there are a creative players in in uh, uh, the sort of attacking part of the pitch, he can do what he the promise of him when we first saw him in two thousand and seven. Yeah. we thought he's he's a. Uh, more like a kind of Aaron Ramsey kind yeah. of guy. He's, he's, he's an attacking uh, midfielder, but mm. he's played in quite a few weak West Ham teams where yeah. he's had to be the kind of destroyer, yeah. had to be the breaker-upper. And, uh, you know, the, I think part of um, the, the, the problem with Martin Noble is that he is good at several different yeah. things. He can do everything. That's right. And, and, and I think that's... You know, people, when they're putting together an England team, are thinking of departments. They're kind of going, you know, we'll have... We'll have Sean Wright Phillips or Aaron Lennon for his pace. We'll have so-and-so for that. We'll have so-and-so for that. And it's that you just need to forget what you could do is yeah, get yeah. one player who can do all of those. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Mark, not so much with the pace. But yeah, very... I was going to say, I don't know if it's the lack of pace. Or, yeah. He doesn't... The way... I, I, he doesn't give the ball away. No, that's right. Like, he, 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 he controls games. That, I don't know if it's noticed the way he speaks to referees, the relationship he has with referees. He controls... I don't know if you got that from Kev Nolan, to be honest, because he was excellent at it. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, it just controls everything. And uh, I, I did a game on telly. I did Tottenham last year at the new stadium when we beat them 1 0. And there was talk of all the Tottenham players. And Nobles was in the build up on the telly I was with. Mm-hmm. Nobles was never mentioned. And no. after the game, ran the game. He was the best player on the yeah. pitch yeah, by absolutely. an absolute mile. And he sort of. Yeah. They wanted to speak about Declan and the, yeah, and the yeah. Tottenham boys. Why didn't they play well? And I went, hang on a minute. Mark Nobles been the best player on the pitch here yeah, by an absolute mile. And no one's even. When we go and watch Mention West Ham, it. when we go and watch West Ham uh, play and they win away at another club, if you happen to see some of the other supporters in the pub afterwards, they will often go, oh, "I wish we had Mark Noble." Yeah. They see it, the fans see it. Yeah. When we beat, um, I think if you look the one the... nil against Spurs last yeah, season yeah. with Antonio's goal, unbelievable. Um, Spurs fans that we met after the game were going, "Mark Noble was the man of the match." In that oh, game. Man, in the yeah, second yeah. half, he ran that second yeah. half. You know. Yeah, but if he's going to play well in any game. No, yeah, of course, no, of course, it's a good. Yeah, but you look yeah. at you look at the record without him in the team compared to him with it in the team. It's yeah, the win percentage is something like forty, mm, forty two percent with him or something. I could be wrong, but and eighteen percent without him. Yeah, and that's not just not. It's just the whole everything that what he brings to the dressing room before the game, half times, and 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 the way he plays. I think I think he goes so far under the radar. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. I agree. What was, what was your sort of favourite period at the club? Was there, uh, the last season at Upton Park was a pretty special one. Yeah. You know, we won a lot of games. Yeah, I'd was... say that was, that was probably one of my favourites. Uh, 2006, obviously, first yeah. joined. 2005, 2006, moving to London and, and obviously getting to the cup final. Great squad, great set of lads we had there. And like I said, Alan Pardew was brilliant for me. But um, all of it, to be honest, the whole 11 yeah. years. I know there were some, uh, some iffy moments in that, but just... Just loved everything about being at West Ham. Yeah, just, yeah. Just from the minute I walked in there. You were so lucky to miss out on that middle bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go and play for Bizarre. Right? It was that sort of great good. in a way. I mean, it's yeah. like, because it was, a, in a way, part of what set those problems in motion was the financial problems, and that was the reason you left. Yeah. And then once that had kind of all been cleared away and we got sort of a fresh start in the Premiership, yeah. you came back and we finished 10th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. Sam brought me back, yeah, 2013. Yeah. Was it 12? 12, 12, 12 yeah. 13. Yeah. 11, 12 was the Championship season. That was a I good year as well, coming back. Yeah. Obviously left, fresh faces. Kev Nolan was there, was brilliant. Obviously Big Andy came in and we had a real, uh, a real good group of lads who, who, who wanted to work hard and Sam mm. had a, a certain way of playing and i got to say... I, Loved my couple of years under Sam. I thought he was. Mm. He thought he was brilliant. Obviously, um, 
the way he played didn't go down too well. But I, I can honestly say he was brilliant for that club. He did what he was, he yeah, was there yeah, to do. Yeah. All right. Well, we should wrap this up because we're going to uh, do another one and talk about uh, the last game and the next game uh, with James. So uh, let's wrap this one up. My name's Phil Wheelings. With me have been Russell Raphael, Jacob Steinberg, and James Collins. <laughs> This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at westhampodcast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.